Good morning to all and a blessed Good Friday. Today I would like to be speaking about the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, as every year, we remember Passion Week. At this time, countless millions remember it is a religious uh, holiday, but many miss its meaning. These days remind us of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he endured for us in order to redeem us from sin, death, and eternal perdition. The text that I'm going to be reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 13 through 26. And here we see the Word of God says, then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And they all cried out one at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man. Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. Our text speaks of a man called Simon of Cyrene, who was compelled to bear the cross of Jesus. Now, Cyrene is a region of modern-day Libya. And this man, apparently a Jew, but living in Israel, probably born in the area of Cyrene because of his name, uh, was compelled to bear the cross of Jesus as he was being led away. We see, first of all, the carrying of the cross. Simon's carrying of the cross is literal, but is also a picture of the work of the church throughout all generations. 
We believers are the cross-bearers after Jesus. He does not suffer so as to exclude our sufferings. He bears a cross, not so that you and I may escape it, but that we may endure it. Christ exempts us from sin, but not from sorrow. Remember that and expect to suffer in this life. The Apostle Paul says, For unto you, that means to the believers, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Many people are willing to believe in him, but not to suffer for his sake. That's in Philippians 1.29. The Lord himself told us, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or affliction. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16.33 But though many times we must suffer, we must also take comfort in this. First of all, it is not our cross, but Christ's cross which we carry. When you are mocked for being a believer, for being pious, uh, when your faith brings about cruel mockings on you, remember, in that sense, it is not your cross, it is Christ's cross. And how delightful it is to carry the cross of our Lord Jesus. When the disciples, the apostles, were persecuted in the first century, shortly after his resurrection and ascension to heaven, they counted it all joy to suffer for Jesus. So it is not our cross, it is his cross. And secondly, you and I carry the cross for him. You have a blessed company. Your path is marked with the footprints of the Lord. The mark of his blood-red shoulder is upon that heavy burden. It is his cross, and he goes before you and before me as a shepherd goes before his sheep. Take up the cross daily and follow him as he commanded you to do. We also see that you bear this cross in partnership. You're not alone. Some believe that Simon carried the cross, only one end, really, of the cross, and not the whole of it. It is possible. Christ may have carried the heavier part against the cross beam, and Simon may have borne the higher end, or I should say the lighter end. Certainly, it is so with you. You do but carry the light end of the cross. Christ bore the heavier end of it. How appropriate, appropriate his words are at this point. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30 
And also, it is a great honor to bear the cross. Always remember that though Simon of Cyrene had to bear the cross for a very little while, it gave him a lasting honor. Even so, the cross we carry is only for a little while at the most. And then we shall receive the crown, the glory for doing it. Surely we should love the cross and instead of shrinking from it, count it very dear. As Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Later in the same epistle, he said, But God forbid that I should, that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Galatians 6.14. Why all this? Why did the Apostle Paul love the cross? Because he also says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 2 Corinthians 4.17 Our light affliction refers to the sufferings, the tribulations that we go through in this life. They seem sometimes to be long and drawn out and almost unbearable. But compared to eternity, what we go through right now is a light affliction. In eternity, we shall have a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Not, not only we see the carrying of the cross, but we also see the shame of the cross. Though it is an honor for us to bear the cross, it is nevertheless the cross of shame, for it was produced because of our sins. The cross is the handiwork of our sin. The Lord's glory was turned into shame. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? Exclaimed King David in Psalm 4, verse 2. And of course, we know that this also refers to the Messiah prophetically. Someone made a mournful list of the honors the blinded people of Israel at the time awarded their long-expected king. First of all, they gave him a procession of honor, which consisted of Roman soldiers, Jewish priests, men and women. They all took part, he himself bearing his cross. This is the triumph which the world awards him who comes to overthrow man's worst enemies. Mocking shouts are his only acclamations, and cruel taunts his only paean of praise. And let us not be quick to judge the people of Israel, for if the Lord had come to any other people, they would have treated him the same way. It is not a matter of nationality, race, or creed. It is a matter of man's sin. So they gave him a procession of honor. The world mocked him. The Romans crucified him. 
They presented him not only with a procession of honor, and they mocked him, but they presented him with the wine of honor. Instead of a golden cup of generous wine, they offered him the criminal stupefying death draught, which he refused because he would preserve an intact taste with which to taste death. And later, when he cried, I thirst, they gave him vinegar mixed with gall, thrust into his mouth upon a sponge. We also see that he was provided with a guard of honor. They showed their esteem of him by gambling over his garments. And these were the Roman soldiers, which they had seized at their booty, as their booty. Such was the bodyguard of the king of heaven, a troop of gamblers and executioners. He was provided also with a throne of honor. This considered this consisted of the bloody tree. No easier place of rest would rebel men yield to their feudal lord. The cross was, in fact, the full expression of the world's feeling towards him. There, they seem to say, you, son of God, this is the way in which God himself should be treated could we reach him. This represents the horrible state of fallen man, regardless of who he is. This world would have none of God, though God seeks for lost men still. And he was provided with a title of honor. That title was King of the Jews. But blinded man distinctly, distinctly repudiated that and really called him King of Thieves by preferring a criminal named Barabbas and placing Jesus in the place of highest shame between two thieves. They chose the criminal and rejected the Savior. His glory was therefore in all things turned into shame by the sons of men. It is almost unthinkable that the king of glory should be turned into the king of shame. But it shall yet gladden the hearts of saints and angels, world without end. It gladdens my heart to know he did it all for me. He took my sin, my guilt, my shame upon himself so that I could become a child of God. What an amazing love. What about you? Have you become a child of God by faith in his perfect and atoning sacrifice? We see, thirdly, the comfort of the cross. In our text of Luke, further down, it says, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, that is, the place of the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals one on the right hand and the other on the left. The cross of Jesus brings comfort to the believer's heart. For there the great work of redemption was accomplished for our needy souls. Therefore the hill of comfort is the hill of Calvary. And no scene in sacred history ever gladdens the soul like Calvary's tragic event.
Light springs from the hill of Golgotha with rays of hope for eternal life. There grace has has dug a fountain gushing waters at all times with a pure crystal clear of the springs of salvation, each drop capable of alleviating the ills of mankind. You and I have had our seasons of conflict, and we must confess that it was not on Mount Olivet or the Mount of Olives where the Lord warns us of coming judgment that we found comfort Not even on Mount Sinai, where God thundered his perfect law upon imperfect man. Not on Mount Tabor, illuminated with his transfiguration. Our comfort comes from Gethsemane, from Gabbatha, and from Golgotha. They have the means to comfort you and me. The bitter herbs of Gethsemane where he prayed in agony, have taken, have often taken away the bitter herbs of your life. The scourge of Gabbatha, the the place of the pavement, has often scourged away your cares and mine. And the groans of Golgotha, which is Calvary in Hebrew, have put all other groans to flight. This way, Golgotha yields all the rich comfort we need. We never should have known Christ's love in all its magnitude if he had not died. And we never could have guessed the Father's deep affection if he had not given his Son to die for us. All the mercies we enjoy, sing of love. He who would know love, let him go to Golgotha and see the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Die there for his and her sins. Have you looked to Golgotha with the eyes of faith? Have you stood under the shadow of that old cross of shame? That cross in which the bleeding, broken, and battered body of the Savior was hanging for six hours, dying there for you and me. Have you seen under that the shadow of that cross the Lamb of God bleeding and dying for you? If you have never come to the cross, If you have never come to Golgotha, I encourage you to come today. For it says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. Today is God's time. Tomorrow is the devil's excuse. We cannot do it tomorrow, for tomorrow may never come. But we have today, and it is today that we must do it. Remember, Passover season, or as some people call it, Easter, badly called. It is the time where the Son of God, when the Son of God, 
was crucified on the cross and died there, was buried and resurrected and did all that work of redemption for you and me. There is no other way to be saved. Jesus himself said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So today, if you hear this message, take it to heart and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. For it says also that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we know this? Because the scriptures also tell us that God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you believe according to what God says, you're a sinner, he commands you to repent and then to believe on him. If you believe or if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever includes you and me. I thank God that over 45 years ago, I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I have never looked back. And I rejoice in his grace and love because he took me in. He says also, all that the Father will give me shall come to me. And him who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Thank the Lord for his mercy. He accepts all those who come to him. He rejects no one. So won't you come to him today and be born again on this Passover week when we celebrate not only his sufferings and death on the cross, but also his resurrection. May the Lord bless you and your family and keep you safe and protected by his immerse and infinite mercy and grace. Have a wonderful Good Friday. We'll hear another message on Sunday for the resurrection. May the Lord bless you again. In Jesus' name, amen.